0: Please sit down. Hallelujah. Of course, that's just a word, isn't it? Hallelujah. Um, You've heard it many times. You've heard it shouted out from the music group sometimes. Uh, You've heard it just as a hallelujah, you know, just a jargon phrase. It is, of course, the first line of the psalm that we've just read it means praise the Lord. And hallelujah, when it's spoken properly, comes, it bubbles up out of the heart. It's not a jargon word, it's what comes from deep in here, a recognition of something the Lord has done, or who he is. So that it is actually a worship word when it's used properly. the psalm that we've just read together is an exhortation to praise the Lord. Not just to say the words, but it's an exhortation to praise the Lord for who he is and for what he does. There's no challenge in this psalm. I'm not going to bring any challenge to you. It's just about the Lord himself. And last week some of us went to a rise. it was a big prayer gathering, I'm told 50 denominations were there, I didn't know there were 50 denominations in Bristol, <laughs> but there we are, that's what the newspaper said, so it must be right. So it was an awesome gathering to think that so many people across the spectrum should be there praising God together. There was a worship group, and for me it didn't quite work at one stage. Um, for this reason, and I'm not saying it was their fault, it may well have been my fault, but they were singing a song called Majesty. And this word majesty was repeated over and over and over, and I'm not kidding, and over and over and over again. And I was thinking, what are we sulking about when we're talking about your majesty? Because when Daniel experienced your majesty, he fell down. Uh, when Ezekiel experienced God's majesty, he was overwhelmed, I think, seven days. And when John the Apostle experienced the majesty in a vision of Christ, he fell down as though dead. So, The words were right, but we were singing them a bit like a pop song. And it didn't feel right. Are you with me? didn't feel right to me. I can't speak for the hearts of anybody else. Because hallelujah means praise the Lord. We praise you, Lord. And this psalm speaks about... The name of God. I'm actually going to use, I guess that was the NIV we read there. I'm going to use a translation which is by Robert Young. It was made over a hundred years ago. When he translated it from the original languages, he translated it according to the letter and idioms of the original language. Now, I'm not a Hebrew expert, you see. But this man shows us the idioms that arise out of the original language. Listen to this. Praise ye. Ye, of course, is an old-fashioned English word, but it's a good one. It's one of the good ones, because we otherwise have you for singular and plural. And ye is plural. So it's a good one, this one. Praise ye, Yah. Praise the servants of Jehovah. Praise the name of Jehovah. The name of Jehovah is blessed from henceforth and unto the age. From the rising of a sun unto its going in, praised is the name of Jehovah. High above the heavens, high above the nations is Jehovah. Above the heavens is his honour. Who is as Jehovah our God? He is exalting himself to sit. He is humbling himself to look on the heavens and on the earth. He is raising up from the dust the poor. From the dunghill he exalteth the needy. He causes them to sit with princes, with the princes of his people. Causing the barren one of the house to sit a joyful mother of sons. Praise ye, Yah. Now that word Jehovah is an odd word to us. The word that is being intended here is the name of God which God told Moses. Remember, Moses was in the wilderness. He'd been there for 40 years. He was looking after sheep. He'd been brought up in palaces. He'd run away And the people of God were crying out to God for deliverance back in Egypt where they were nothing more than a host of brickyard rabble working as slaves for the Egyptian imperial court. And they were crying out to God and God had heard their call and he was going to send Moses with his his palace education back to bring them out. And God appeared to him in a burning bush, if you remember, fiery flame, but the bush wasn't burnt up. And Moses said, I must step aside and see this thing which is happening. And as he approached this bush, a voice came from it saying, take the shoes from off your feet, for the ground you are standing on is holy ground. And he bowed down before the majesty of a God he didn't understand and was astonishing him. And a conversation took place and Moses was a bit bold, I think, and even argumentative a bit. But he said, but if I go back to the people and they say, who is it that sent you? Uh, he's speaking to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they say to me, who sent you? He said, tell them Yahweh sent you. It means, I am. What an extraordinary name to be known as. I am who I am. And when we come across this word Jehovah, or in the NIV, capital letters, Lord. It's referring to this name because at some point a taboo arose amongst the Jews where they felt that it was wrong even to utter this name. So they used another name, Adonai, in its place, which means Lord. But wherever they used this name, it was in place of that most majestic name, I Am. Now to me, a God who calls himself "I am, he is not the sum of our interpretation of him. He is not what we make of him. you understand. If you put together all the best theology that you ever hear in this church and put it together as a description of God, we haven't yet described him. He is who he is, not who we suppose him to be. Not even just who we understand him to be, even if that is a correct understanding, because he is greater than we can ever imagine between us. This is the awesome God of whom he's saying, Praise him. Praise him for who he is. Imagine the privilege of him allowing us to have him as a God who relates to us, who is willing to relate with us. Isn't that amazing? And he is God who is before all time, if that's a statement it's possible to make. Before all material being, he is the creator of all things. So he is to be praised from the rising of the sun to its going down. At all times. And in all places, because he is the one God who is greater than all human gods and human understanding. So I get ashamed of myself when I read a psalm like this sometimes because it's so easy to get pally with him, isn't it? And we're allowed to call him Abba, Father. That's extraordinary. But it's easy to get pally with him. As though he's the executive we know. But he's God. There's this fascinating idiom here. He is exalting himself to sit. Well, we're at a jubilee weekend, aren't we? Did you see the pictures of the queen driving up the, uh, um, at Epsom before the derby? And uh, I'm told, or they think they said a couple of hundred thousand people were there. Perhaps I misheard the number. But they were all standing and cheering. She was able to exalt herself and sit. And receive it. She is her majesty. And this afternoon when that flotilla of boats goes down five miles long, however many boats it is, she will be in the royal barge and she may exalt herself to sit and be praised. Because she is her majesty. Our God, who is enthroned on the heavens, and we can only ever use human language to describe it. This is describing him in human terms, but even those can't begin to describe his majesty, can they? He Enthroned on high may exalt himself to sit above the nations, above the peoples, above Syria, above the European community, above America, above the 20th century, the 21st century, he may exalt himself to sit. And he may humble himself just to see the heavens below him. This cosmos that he has created. And this community of spiritual beings of whom he is the Lord, the Lord of hosts. He may humble himself as it says here. He is humbling himself to look on the heavens and the earth. More extraordinary, he is raising up from the dust the poor. An exalted God we cannot explain, who cares so much that from the dunghill he exalts the needy. This is a very precious psalm to me for that very reason. One, one and a half years into my first ministry, We visited um, some relatives on the Isle of Wight and I went out early one morning with my little um, pocket Bible and sat on a bench uh, just to be able to think and pray without the noise of family around us. And I lighted upon this psalm which says he raises the poor from the dust, from the dunghill, the ash heap, he exalts the needy. And I was overwhelmed because at the time I met the Lord, I was unemployed. Um, For all the wrong reasons, I was a layabout, I was deliberately unemployed. But it did me no good. And I was deemed unemployable by the then labour exchange, or employment exchange. And I had met Dee, and we were looking for meaning together, and we were beginning to attend a church and beginning to learn about Jesus. Um, I was remembering this, see, a year and a half into my first ministry. I was remembering this. I remember that there was a, dust, a, a dustman strike in Brixton. It went on for a number of weeks. And the rubbish was piling up in the streets. And the unemployed that they couldn't place anywhere, they tried to get them out clearing the rubbish. And I did it about two mornings. And I literally remember, remembered sitting on a big pile of rubbish which came up to about my shoulder, sitting on top of this, opposite Lambeth Town Hall, waiting for the truck to come back. And it, this rubbish smelt, and I looked like the great unemployed who was deliberately unemployed. And I remember thinking... This just sums me up. Now within two or three months, God had transformed my life when I met with Christ. And this psalm tells me exactly what the High and the Holy One did for me. He reached far down beyond the heavens, down to this tiny little planet in our giant galaxy. And he lifted me up from the ash heap. And I was sitting there on this bench as a pastor in a position that some would say is that he'd lifted me up to be among the nobles of his people. This is our God. This is what he does. And this strange verse at the end where he causes the barren one of the house to sit... A joyful mother to be a a mother of sons. It was a social disgrace. It was a catastrophe for a woman in ancient Israel to be barren and not to have children. But these words about lifting up the needy from the dust are taken straight out of their crib Or a quote from Hannah's Prayer in 1 Samuel chapter 2. And Hannah was a barren woman whose cry to God was answered in the birth of a little boy who we know as Samuel the prophet. Now then, when I talked about my experience, I introduced Jesus into the story. This psalm is read every year by the Jews before they eat their Passover meal. It's one of two psalms that are read before it, and there's a number of psalms, 115 through to 118, that are read afterwards. This is read before the Passover meal, when they remember as they sit down, that they were slaves, they were a brickyard rabble, but God reached far down and he lifted them up. And this is the good news, they are rescued. Even though they messed things up themselves over the course of history and went into exile again in Babylon, they are still rescued because God has brought them back from there as well. He has reached far down and he's lifted them up out of their plight And they are a rescued people. This is what the Jews remember every year. And this is one of the Psalms they read before their meal. Now when Jesus led the Passover meal, the one that we call the Lord's Supper, he changed the meaning of it, do you remember? The Passover was the celebration of the time when God brought them out of Egypt and the final judgment on the gods of Egypt and upon those who worshipped them was that an angel of death flew over the land of Egypt. And God said to the slaves, Israel, through Moses, you must slaughter a lamb as a sacrifice. You must paint... You must put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts and on the lintel of your homes. And when the angel of death passes through the land, he will pass over you. When Jesus stood at that last Passover of his life, he said, this is my body, this is my blood. And he became the Lamb for all time. But we know from what he said that whoever sees him sees the Father. And among his sayings, Jesus used this. In the in the Bible, it's in Greek. I do know a little bit of Greek. It's "ego amy," which means "I myself am," "I," "I am." Now, does that ring bells? That the God who reaches far down reached far down in the person of Christ. And this word was incarnated, enfleshed amongst us. And when we see Christ, we see a man, but extraordinary we see God humbling himself, not just to look upon the heavens, not just to reach down, but to come down, to be the Lamb that rescues us and makes the way for our escape from this present evil age, as Paul puts it. You have been rescued from the dominion of darkness, Paul put it. And Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, I am the door, I am resurrection of the life. I am way, the truth, and life. I am bread from heaven. I am enfleshed. Humbling himself to sacrifice for those people way down there That he loves. Now I don't know where you're at today. Some of you may have had the most grotty week you've ever had. Or the most grotty life that anyone can imagine. But God has reached down in Jesus. To lift you up. Won't you trust him? God, you did it for Dave. Do it for me. But when he does it for you, the one who does it is this high and holy one who deserves from the rising of the sun to its setting, deserves our hallelujah. Which becomes hallelujah. Becomes an act of worship and service and love. Hallelujah. He does enough love you, doesn't he? This almighty God.